Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I'm Sam Rosenberg. I'm here with Shaka. It's been a long time, but we're back. Football season is here. 2019, week one just happened. It's in the books. We got, I mean, listen, there's plenty to talk about, but I mean, really, Shaka, how's Ezra doing? The little one's almost one. <laughs> uh, he's about to start walking soon, but he's already terrorizing my apartment on a nightly basis. Is Thankfully, he, he's off the bed right now. Is he wearing New York Jets gear? Oh, you know what? I've actually got to go get him like a hoodie. It's going to be the fall, so he's got to be properly dressed. Like football season, chilly weather, you know, he needs to be in the appropriate Jets attire. The gangrene all the way, buddy. <laughs> I, um, well, really, it's, uh, I figured we'd just schmooze a little bit about, about 30 minutes of just some football chat. I feel like, let's just talk Eagles and Jets. I want to unpack the Jets first. I, you know, I was taking this opportunity. I was just eating some dinner right before this, but I was going back through the highlights because I didn't really have a chance to watch the game. I was watching the Eagles game. Right. But, you know, I think there's a lot to unpack here. There's, there's, you know, the Eagles have, they have their own storylines, but the Jets, they've got a lot of storylines going on right now. You got Adam Gase trying to show out. Do, you know, see what he can do with Sam Darnold. You got Le'Veon Bell. You've got a, a revamped defense. You've got all these free agent additions that came in right before they fired Mike McCagnan. It's so there's a lot to unpack here. And as someone who was a Jets fan and who watched this game, I really want to start hearing some first reactions from you. Just hit me with some thoughts on this game. So I think I want to preface this with just a quick recap of how last season went. Basically, Please. the Jets decided Sam Donald was a starter. You know, they brought in Isaiah Crowell to be a pretty solid running back. So oh, Isaiah Crowell. Who's, who's I believe, didn't he tear his ACL in training camp this year? He's done for the season. Yeah, yeah. So Sorry, continue. But, um, you know, they wanted Robbie Anderson, a wide receiver, and Quincy Anunua, who just got in a big deal, to be, you know, the, the face of this new Jets offense right. and things quickly went off the rails. Robbie Anderson was an inconsistent receiver with potential. Quincy Anunua battled injuries all year, didn't really play, didn't get to be the guy who is the Julius Julian Edelman of the New York Jets. So mm-hmm. he didn't really get that middle of the field, you know, catch and tough situations kind of role and Isaiah Crowell who was he had a pretty decent year. I think he had a pretty he had a pretty decent year. But when your wide receivers aren't very good at all, I mean, they're just going to load the box on you and dare you to throw it. So Crowell did not get a chance to really have a, a breath of fresh air with the Jets offense. So that's pretty much the story of last season. So now this year you have Jameson Crowder comes into the fold, much more polished receiver than Quincy Nula, but offers more options for Sam Darnold to throw to. You get Le'Veon Bell, one of the best running backs in football, you know, to make them really respect your offense and you come out in the field with this gang and what happens Quincy Nua gets hurt right away uh Le'Veon Bell shows out Jameson Crowder shows out Robbie Anderson still does the same things he did last year which is be inconsistent and there were moments you could see uh in the press conference after the Jets loss Adam Gase was calling out players specifically and one of the people he called out was wide receivers not running good routes, mm. named Robbie Anderson. Mm. So 
I, I think I let off like that just because comparatively speaking from where we were last year to this year, I like the new look Jets. I really do. I, I mean, and that loss was pretty tough. But all things considered, I'm still kind of lounging on all the positives that came out of that. First of all, C.J. Mosley, who we spent big money on in the offseason. Yeah. He showed up. And pretty much whenever he was on the field, the Jets held a Bill scoreless. He got injured in the fourth quarter. And after he left the game, they put up. 17 points in a row did do we have a sense of what that injury situation is is this long term it's day-to-day and i'm pretty sure he'll be back for uh this week's game against the browns so he'll be back on the field okay but just that we brought in cj mosley to be the anchor to be the captain of the defense and i think i mean i I don't know how much of the game you got to see i mean i saw the pick six that he had it looked every bit as if that he was the real anchor on that defense i mean just the leader kept guys you know moving to the football and I mean he was just there in every play I mean they really gave uh Josh Allen a hard time on Sunday and I mean you could see it you could see the inconsistency Josh Allen's not quite there yet as a quarterback you know if you just take that fourth quarter run aside he he still has issues in the pocket Mm -hmm. I mean still a ton of potential I can still throw a country mile with just there's still a lot of work to be done but that being said I I look man I feel really good about what we have potentially it's just the one downside to all this is the Jets' schedule for the next four games is going to be a really, really brutal schedule when you think about just being thrown to the wolves with the new-look Cleveland Browns. You got the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I think the Patriots twice in the next four weeks. It's just – it's rough, man. Yeah, so. they actually uh, – I'm pulled up the schedule. Browns and then Patriots, Eagles. Eagles. Cowboys. Cowboys sorry. And then after that, they play the Patriots. And again. then they play the Patriots again. And those that Patriots game and that Eagles game are both on the road. Yeah. So those are five. Those are five games where I mean they're just going to be thrown to the walls. Yeah, they're the not going to see a, a. They're not going to see a sort of a soft opponent until Jacksonville and Miami, and both of those games are road games. Yeah, the Jets have one of the toughest schedules I, I think of any team this season. I think the conversely, the Patriots have a pretty easy strength of schedule dude i i'm sorry i am gonna go there just because the Patriots' schedule is is so stupidly i mean everything about the patriots i mean let's not even get into antonio brown signing with the patriots or the fact that he's being accused of rape but we yeah this is not the focus of today's podcast but the patriots schedule this is just i feel like somebody somebody got like a bribe for this after it's, playing this, dude, it's a cruel joke. They played the Steelers, which should have been a real matchup. They crushed them thirty-three to three. Then they get the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bills, the Redskins, the the Giants, the yeah. Jets again, the Browns, and then the Ravens. Like you're not the playing. It's probably the toughest game I think if you're looking at it. And they're not going to see that until what their seventh or eighth game of the season. That's just. It's wild. I'm sorry. Let's. It, Fuck the Patriots. Yes. I, I, let's focus on the Jets. But yes, going back, the Jets have one of the toughest schedules. I mean, at least, especially to open the season. So, again, like I said, I feel good about the positives, but I think it's really going to be put, I mean, they're really going to be put to the full stress test in the Do, next month, month and a half. Let's, I really want to unpack a little bit of Sam Darnold. Yes. Okay. okay. You, you, we watched him again. I watched some of those highlights. I didn't watch the game in real time, but 
how are we feeling? I, I really want to see more. I thought there were some good throws, but there was also some, I mean, I feel like he holds on to the ball a lot. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that too much, but I, I think, because one, it just means the offensive line is giving him enough time to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the issues, going back to what Adam Gase was saying when he was frustrated with the route running, because there were opportunities there. There was time to make big throws. And there was one particular throw, I think it might have been in the third quarter, where um, Robbie Anderson was running across uh, midfield, and Darnold lobbed a bomb, and he... Robbie Anderson had beaten his guy, but he just was behind on the route. Right. Climbed on it perfectly, that would have been a touchdown. So I think it was missed opportunities. Because I mean, imagine that bomb would have been the dagger in a coffin. They could have gone up, you know, 23 to nothing at that point. And then right. it's very hard to come back. So I think that's probably one of the things that Adam Geese. And you can look, if you look at the, uh, the, the transactions he made right after this game, um, Again, Quincy Anuar had another injury, herniated disc in his neck, cost him, I think, all of 2017 and, you know, parts of last season. And it looks like it's happened again. So he's going to be out for the season. Uh, and possibly, if they're talking about, you know, this might be a career-threatening injury, the Jets aren't really being forthcoming with what's going on. But for now, we know for a fact he's out for the season. The Jets end up making a trade with the New England Patriots to get Demarius Thomas mm-hmm. at Wyatt. I think they gave up this, a six-round pick yeah. to get him. I and think. I mean, Jets we're going to see what's left six. of him because he's still recovering from an Achilles injury, right? Yeah. He played in the preseason for the Patriots a little bit. I think he had a, a decent two-touchdown game, but it was, you know, preseason. So we'll see. I think I, I we and I were talking about this earlier, and I think it's more of a leadership and experience type of, you know, trade for the team mm-hmm. I, I who knows if Demaris Thomas has anything left in the tank I think that's an added bonus mm-hmm. but I think they need someone who's a polished route runner who you know has experience to, you know playing with other quarterbacks namely in Demaris Thomas and hopefully can yeah. kind of mentor Robbie Anderson I, I think they're bringing in more talent just to you know put the screws to Robbie Anderson because this guy wants a big contract you know from someone so and i think we're and we're we're now two years removed from that season where he was magical yeah and and you know i mean there's plenty of wide receivers who can look back on their careers and say oh remember that season when everybody thought i was going to pop off and then i just never did um you know i think we're trying to fight that because the talent is there man Uh, i I watched some of those highlights it was some of those passes it was absolutely clear that I mean, a few more inches one way or the other, it was a touchdown, but instead it's a, it's a blocked pass or a batted down ball. And, you know, you're left scratching your head because I'm sure Adam Gase is pulling his hair out when he's thinking yeah. about how well that play was drawn up and the only thing we didn't do was execute. Exactly. Going back to what I was saying before about, you know, just bringing in more experienced guys. Jamison Crowder, you know. Dude, that happened quickly, fun. man. 14 catches? Yeah. 14 catches, on 17 targets. So it's good to see that Sam Darnold finally has a legitimate release valve, mm. you know? And I think that's one of the issues is that guys were not getting open. And so Darnold was forced to kind of go for the safe option, quote unquote, and Jameson Carter, you know, but Jameson Carter was there, 14 catches, um, 99 yards. I, I like that connection. I like that chemistry. It makes me feel a little bit better in terms of, 
getting at least the ball moving down the field because they had issues, you know, time to time completing third downs. This is a guy, if he can do this on a, uh, even a semi-consistent basis, mm-hmm. you got a reliable third down guy who can extend, you know, drives and get you more opportunities to get a deep ball or, you know, get something down the middle of the field. So it, it's a good look. A reminder, Chris Herndon, you know, who's cut, a, right? Wasn't he cut? Season. No, he's, he's on three game suspension for right. performance enhancing drugs. So he's not going to be available to week five. Right. And he's again, coming. another guy with potential. I mean, another. I was about to say, weren't we expecting him to be the safety valve? But with his suspension, I mean, it's nice to see Crowder coming in and playing that role. And and what we're also seeing is, I think that the Jets needed a little bit of injection of talent. I mean, yeah. it hasn't taken you long to talk about the Jets and to mention C.J. Mosley, to mention Levy and Bell, to mention Jamison Crowder, and how these guys like. You mentioned how Robbie Anderson's been inconsistent. You mentioned how Inunua is hurt again. You know, I'm not saying the Jets were terrible. I'm just saying that I think they needed some new faces. They needed some talented players who knew how to come in here and execute. And, I mean, I have a lot of faith in Adam Gase. I think there's some skepticism around him uh, with his tenure in Miami. Uh, I'm, I, I'm still holding on to the magic he worked with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Uh, I mean, I think that Adam Gase has a knack for... You know, I'm not going to say Sean McVay. Everyone's kind of gotten all obsessed with Sean McVay these days. But I, I kind of feel like he was a, a year or two before that. You know, Adam Gase was really drawing up. It wasn't just Peyton Manning. I mean, he didn't just accidentally throw 55 touchdowns that season. It was Adam Gase drawing up some really amazing offensive plays. And I really think that he hasn't had a quarterback at his disposal like Peyton Manning since Peyton Manning. I mean... In Chicago, sure, Jay Cutler, but, I mean, come on now. And then in Miami, Tannehill. He had Tannehill, and then he brought Cutler back for a year. And then who the hell was Tannehill's backup? Matt Moore was there. I think Matt Moore started the playoff game that they went to. Um, So this is really an opportunity, I think, for him to to develop Darnold. And having a guy like Crowder, having a guy like – I watched that two-point conversion – that Levy and Bell, yeah. you know, that was a broken play, and well, Darnold tossed it up, and Bell was right there. It was a well salvaged, yeah, well salvaged. The, actually, the touchdown before that too was a well drawn up play. The well, the touchdown was pretty. Yeah, so you got a chance to see the the, the perfectly executed play, and then the broken down, but still salvage play. And so Levy and Bell was a big part of of all of that. Like Levy and Bell could have been tackled before, but he was the one who who he muscled his way into the end zone. That's where you get that talent. That's where you're buying the extra money. And look, he got nine targets uh, and caught six passes. So I, another guy who gave Sam Darnold throwing options, something he did not really have a great deal of last year. When you're looking at Robbie Anderson hoping for the home run all the time, it and I honestly I'm trying to remember even one or two of uh, our guide Sam Darnold's wide receiver targets last year. I mean, it was Anunwa, it was Anderson, it was... Shit. Yeah, I, I, I know there's one other guy who's been around the league like, for 10 years. Who the hell else was catching the ball? Jesus, who he was? He played for the Titans uh, and the Seahawks. Played for the Titans and the Seahawks? This is amazing. I'm... Yeah, exactly. So you'd have to go back and look at the roster from last year. Because that's the, that's but that's my point. It proves my point exactly. Who was Sam Darnold throwing to last year? <laughs> you know, and already you look at the roster. You got Robbie Anderson. You had a Nunois. 
Yeah, Jameson Crowder. I'm, I, I'm legitimately like struggling to figure out what the hell the roster was. As soon as you hear the name, you're going to be like, of course. This is a guy who last year did, did, the Jets were expecting a lot out of, and he just could not stay on the field, or he just could not connect with Sam Darnold. Okay, I'm pulling up I'm pulling up the roster. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, uh, Andre Roberts? No. Roberts is not on the Bills. I oh, think Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse. That's the one. Yeah, Jermaine Curse was totally there. He had a couple yeah, of good games, and that was about it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, you look at Jamison Crowder's first game with the Jets, and it's already like, okay, well, I think we have something here. Yeah, whereas Jermaine yeah. Curse was, I mean, his magic ended after he left Seattle. Yeah, it was really over. And, I mean, you can probably attribute that to the random guys that have been famous playing with uh Russell. Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Russell Hustle yeah. and Bustle. Yeah. Got, got random guys that are a superstar wide receiver. Tyler Lockett. Dude. You know, looks like he could be something out there. Looks like Jerry Rice on that on that offense. <laughs> <laughs> he had one catch for a touchdown. It was the game yeah. winner. But hey, it, you can't all be you can't all be dangerous. Now So yeah, I've got I've got high hopes here. Playing the Browns on Monday night football. Browns also got embarrassed this past weekend at home. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. The, now, the I didn't, didn't didn't Baker didn't wasn't his his premiere was last year against the Jets? Is that correct? That's correct. That was his coming out party. I think he came in the second quarter, halftime around there. Look, I am starting the Jets defense against the Browns in fantasy football. Is this a good idea? I, that's the thing. I, I think this is probably one of the hardest. Because I did, I did watch that Jets team get four turnovers in the first half. And there was, so there's some absurd statistic. I don't know if you saw it. It said that teams that who had gotten four turnovers in a game, their record was 177 wins and I think seven losses. <laughs> uh, that's is that now eight Jets, losses? Now eight losses. My God. But it's just such an absurd number. So, again, I, I saw too many good things just for C.J. Mosley to leave the field and all of a sudden the Jets just to turn back into the Jets from last year. Yeah. So, well, and- I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm curious to see, one, if Baker Mayfield is really having problems getting that offense down the field to score. Mm-hmm. Or is the Jets' defense not really that good and got lucky in the first game? I well, I mean, we're certainly going to see a little bit more of it this weekend. But you know, I also I got to give credit to the Bills. I think they opened up the running game in the second half. A lot of those highlights yeah. was Devin Singletary Devin just Singletary. T- ripping off twenty yard runs, and it was like, whoa, this. I think they just finally tried to do something different. That's I that's I agree. Like I almost kind of feel like the second half, the Bills changed up their game plan, and it was much more effective against the Jets. That, is, that there they you go. The Jets in the mouth a couple times. They caught them off guard. So, uh, um, yeah, gotta you, give him some credit for that. I mean, do you think the Jets can? I mean, of course you think the Jets can win, but it's like you feel like you feel like Jets can beat the Browns. I think so, man. I, I think we're a couple of misconnections from putting up some big time points on on the board. Okay, I, I think Sam Darnold looks he, he looks more mature. I, I the verdicts still out. I feel a lot more confident than I did last season. Last season I kind of felt they were throwing them to the wolves. Yeah. And I think this year he, he's, he's come back in from the cold and he's got a wolf skin, wolf skin coat on <laughs> now. He can handle it. It's still going to be cold, but he's a little bit more, you know, layered for what's to come. The calluses are thicker. 
Exactly. So he looks good. He looks crisp out there. Some of those throws, I mean, I felt I felt a million like there's actually growth. Okay. All right. I like the confidence. Do you want to hear about my Eagles? Let's go for it. Eagles took care of business. However, it was not the cakewalk that I think a lot of people were predicting. Now, there's a lot of exciting highlights to unpack from this game. Deshaun Jackson going off. I mean, holy shit, dude. It was a go-get-it situation. I think both of his touchdown passes were like third and tens. The Eagles had nothing nothing to do. And Carson Wentz just kind of, I think it was legitimately like, I'm just going to chuck it and see if he gets it. And Deshaun Jackson is fucking Deshaun Jackson and he just goes and gets it. It's like, oh my God, I could just throw it and he'll go get it. And I mean, the second time it was like, yeah, I can just throw it and he's just going to outrun the guy. And that's what happened. Um, let's, let's unpack the whole game though. Uh, Eagles got off to a horrible start. I mean, we can, we can, un- we can forget that, but the truth is they went down 17 zero in the first quarter. Yeah. That's reality. Um, they looked sloppy to start the game off. The first touchdown was a Vernon Davis. It was a short pass to Vernon Davis to the right sideline where about, I want to say about four Eagles defenders all just missed him. Like one guy grabbed him, didn't tackle him. Two more guys grabbed him. He shook him off and they didn't finish the tackle. The fourth guy, he just like did not even finish the tackle at all. And he just shook all of them off and ran like 30 yards for a touchdown. It was a real moment of like, what the he had f- that superhero hurdle. Yeah. 30, 37-year-old Vernon Davis still had some vertical. Yeah. I think he had one defender. Like, I feel as though all of the defenders sort of, like, were just half-assing it and were forgetting the fact that the season had started. Yeah. And, I mean, there you go. They're already down. Like, that was a moment of, like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Can you guys actually start treating this like it's a real game? Um, And that was what you saw in the first quarter. Pretty much the first half was... Even when the Eagles had the ball, uh, the Redskins were still able to move the ball. You saw this guy, Terry McLaurin, this rookie. Yes. You know, he caught about six or seven of these, or not six or seven, I would say about three or four long passes, like really nice passes. The Redskins' passing game was very impressive in the first half, and that was a real moment where the Eagles' you know, front seven was, was getting pressure. They were getting after Case Keenum. Oh, my God, Case Keenum. I can't even believe I said that. Um, yeah. And he was still able to get the ball where he needed it to be. I mean, really, Terry McLaurin really showed up. I mean, Paul Richardson was in there, too. But it was it, it was exciting to see them throw the ball. And you really were saying, wow, the Eagles secondary still has issues. And then the Eagles get the ball, and they couldn't move it. Or actually, they had a first down, but I want to say... I think they went, they had a first down and then they had to punt. But then their second possession, they moved the ball. And on fourth down, it was fourth and two and they went for it. And Carson Wentz threw the ball and it got batted down. And this was when the game was still 17-0 and they're going for it on fourth down and getting denied. I think I remember this one. I mean, that was a real moment of like, oh boy, this is going to be a problem. Like we've got some serious issues now. Um, and let's uh, let's throw this out there. Both teams had difficulty running the ball. Both teams, you know, Redskins and the Eagles, neither of them ran the ball well, I think, throughout any of the game. Even when the Redskins were turning it on in the first half, they still weren't running the ball that well. Um, you know, the Eagles had Miles Sanders look pretty good. Like, all their running backs look yeah. good. Even Jordan Howard looked good. It's just that they were not using the run game a lot. 
They were not getting that much effectiveness with the run game, so they didn't go there. The game turned on that first Deshaun Jackson touchdown. That is when it was, I'm pretty confident it was the late second quarter and first and 10 incomplete, second and 10 incomplete, third and 10, Wentz just throws it up and Deshaun Jackson gets it for a touchdown and the place exploded. And that's where you, you started to see, oh, okay, I think the Redskins, then the Eagles finally got a, a stop on defense. They get the ball back. This time, they actually moved the ball. I think that was when Zach Ertz had his first reception of this of the game. Uh, they ended up finishing with like an Alshon Jeffrey touchdown. It was just like, okay, that was their offense. I don't know where it was for the first quarter, but that was it. And then second half, I mean, holy shit. Reds, Redskins couldn't do anything. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't throw the ball. Kept going three and out. Couldn't move the ball at all. It's like the defense for the Eagles finally showed up. And then the Eagles couldn't be stopped on offense. He, he went and I want to say the, the second touchdown for Deshaun Jackson was another third and 10, where he just sort of was like, might as well try it, threw it up and yeah. went and got it. And then the, he had a fourth touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey, but it was like a, it was a lateral or a, it was a slightly backwards pass. So they called it a rushing touchdown for Alshon Jeffrey, but it was essentially, it was like another, it was a fourth touchdown pass for Carson Wentz. That was a nice play. Red zone, I want to say they were two yards out from the goal line, and they just called a really nice play right there. Psyched out the defense. And then, you know, the end of the game, they they finally went up by 12, and they kind of like, you know, they let the they let the Redskins come down and score an extra touchdown to finish the game. But that was – it was a real sense of you saw what the Redskins had to offer. They threw a puncher's chance out there. But then the Eagles turned it around and, and found themselves and were able to – I mean, it was impressive to see them come from behind. It was impressive to see them go down by 17 points and still have enough, you know, swagger to be like, no, we've got this. And very excited. Listen, Deshaun Jackson coming back to Philly, That's a, it's exciting in itself. I kind of want to murder Chip Kelly in his sleep right now because we could have had this guy the whole time. He really is that special a player, I think, because of what he's doing now at, at the age that he's at. Um, and then to also see a player like that in Carson Wentz's offense, he hasn't had that. Like we signed Mike Wallace last year to do that. You know, he played for like a game and then he got hurt. And, you know, we've had other players who, you know, Torrey Smith was supposed to be that guy in the Super Bowl season. He was all right, but you know, not really Deshaun Jackson, but now you got Jackson, you got all Sean Jeffrey, you got Zach Ertz. And another thing that showed out in the, the second half was Darren Sproles. You know, they went with Miles Sanders, who showed some some great runs. Jordan Howard showed some great runs. But in the fourth quarter, when they really needed a couple of huge runs, man, Darren Sproles has still fucking got it. I don't understand how this guy's still not only just on this roster. It's just it's funny to see kind of this collection of old and new Eagles players coming back and doing it and winning this this uh, this first game of the season for him. It was it was fun. It was exciting. It, it was it stung to see them go down seventeen nothing and then to get stopped on fourth down. I mean that really just put a bad taste in my mouth. But I had this feeling of like the Redskins are not that good. I know the Eagles are good. You know if everything plays out the way it should, hopefully we should see a pretty exciting second half. And that's what I got. It was really fun to be like, oh oh, this is a this is a tenacious team that really is a Super Bowl contender. Um, and, and we saw that and, and cause the truth is the Redskins, that's a team you got to take care of business. That's, you need to come in and do what you need to do. And, 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 you know, listen, they face some adversity. I'm glad, 
Uh, and I'm glad they pulled out the W, and it's not going to be a cakewalk from here. They got a Sunday night game against the Falcons. They're going to be in Atlanta. Atlanta looked like dog shit against the Vikings, but, you know, oh my God. Yeah. I, I think they're a little bit more dangerous than Washington. Um, something I'm really sort of upset about is Malik Jackson. I've heard, so Malik yes. Jackson, I heard, is done for the season. I mean, yeah, that's he's one of those gigantic pickups. It's like, oh my God, thank God he came and signed with us. This is a major instant starting defensive tackle who's a Super Bowl champion, game changer. I just... I just, that's the shit about football I hate, man. To see something like, to see that guy go down week one and then be like, all right, see you next year. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, before, out before it's even really begun. Yeah, before yeah. anyone really, before like we've had a month and a half where people can be like, dude, have you seen Malik Jackson? He's playing great, you know? He's such a big piece of this yeah. team. Now he's just going to be an afterthought. And I mean, we'll see him next year, but it just, it just stings. That's all. How did you feel about the defense overall in terms of, yeah, I mean, trying to project this a little bit forward, you know, a couple more games where you see this defense? Uh, I I mean, I definitely – I was expecting a little bit more production out of them in this game. I thought they were going to sort of punish Washington a little bit more than they did. Um, you know, at this, it's – I'm not too worried. I still have skepticism about the secondary. I mean, until – the front seven started to get real pressure in the second half. All I saw was the secondary giving up big plays. I mean, I saw Case Keenum converting third downs, and I'm sitting here saying, who's to say any other quarterback or any other offense is not going to be able to just abuse the Eagles secondary like this? I think the Eagles secondary is going to continue to be a, a, a talking point. I mean, it was a talking point when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, they were playing so yeah. well. But the, the fucking Patriots exposed in that Super Bowl that they could still throw on the Eagles. It was just the fact that the Eagles outscored them. Yeah. So um, This is my big question. for. I'm wondering if guys like uh, Darby are going to be able to step up. Um, Maddox, like, really, Jenkins, just those guys, you know. I mean, Darby, kind of, I think he nearly had an interception. I think there was an interception that he might have dropped. There was definitely a pick that I think he dropped or he got a hand on. Maddox, I think he had a couple of plays where he he got beat. That's where yeah. I'm starting to because you know I think Rasul Douglas came in. He might have gotten beat once or twice. I still am. I still got to see if Sidney Jones is going to prove something. He all he's been he's just been injured, 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 and we've kind of been expecting a lot from him. Um, but that's where because every every other part of the defense is 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 fantastic. Even with Malik Jackson being injured now, which is painful, Timmy Jernigan's going to rotate into the starting line. Yeah. You know, and um, you know Zach Thomas from the Redskins, he's coming in to play middle linebacker now because Jordan Hicks is gone. You know, Michael Bennett's gone, but like I said, Malik Jackson's here, and and they're gonna you know they're gonna rotate in guys behind him. But you know, you still got. You know, Derek Barnett is their defensive end. Like, this front seven, Fletcher Cox, like, these guys are still monsters. They are still wrecking, you know, the line. And I think we're still going to be going through the whole season with question marks about the secondary. You know, there's going to be weeks where they play well, weeks where they don't. And, I mean, hopefully they just don't have the same injury issues that they did last year because they were already dicey last year, and then you piled on the injuries, and it was just, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah, uh, that's that's my my big concern for the Eagles going forward. Yeah, because it feels sure like the offense is going to be fine. I wonder if they maybe make a move at some point to kind of shore up the secondary. 
maybe a mid-season trade somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't put it I, – I, Howie Roseman, nothing surprises me with him. He can pull the trigger at any time. I mean, you, you heard that he was looking into trading for Melvin Gordon. I mean, he – Yes. Dude, knowing him, he was probably calling up on Antonio Brown just because feeling like, what are you? How much? How much you need, man? How much you need? I'll I'll figure that out. Sounds very interesting. (laughs) I got. I'm. I'm rather. I'm interested to see if Antonio Brown. Do you think he's going to play on Sunday? Or do you think like the league is going to like formally put him on the exempt list? Because I somehow see him actually playing, and then maybe once the league maybe gets some more information, making. And like some kind of official statement um, before before the third game of the season, but who knows? Maybe they maybe they try to be proactive and they come out and say something before this weekend's game. I mean, so, I just I just think about the situations with like Adrian Peterson when he was beating his kid. You know, like sometimes these things happened, and the league was just like, before we know anything, we're just gonna we're just gonna literally put you on the it's not the suspension the commissioner's exempt list exactly. so you can just vanish from the game until we figure out what the fuck's going on and i don't know there's i think there's a little bit of times i don't want to say times have changed but i'm the league's changed a little bit and i think they're also kind of like do we just want to remove this piece of our brand right now i mean they may they may yeah. i mean he's friggin' being charged with rape and granted oh. it's not a criminal charge i know it's a civil charge but Listen, the bottom, the only color that matters in this league is green, and if it hurts the bottom line, they will they will do what they need to do. Yeah, they're gonna have to do some kind of investigation. Just, I mean, just for their for their sakes. Yeah, because they they have that own thing where it's like personal conduct policy. Like you don't have to break a law, but we might suspend you just because you know you you wore white pants after Labor Day. That's the whole Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown's this complete arc as a human being has gone in the last few weeks from I just, just a blip to just unbelievable. I can't. I mean, I listen. I didn't think he wasn't a freak show. Most wide receivers are, but yeah. for years he didn't really create shit in Pittsburgh. All he did was be amazing. I mean, you had the Randy Mosses, you had the Chad Johnsons. You know, Antonio Brown was never really making a lot of noise. He was just, you know, he was flashy and he played well. And then now, all of a sudden, he's making a lot of noise. And if anything, Chad Ochocinco was more, it felt more humorous. And, you know, that's yes. kind of his personality. You know, it wasn't him trying to to put on an act. Antonio Brown is just, I, I think he's just a complete oddball. Yeah. Goof. There's nothing and about this whole story from him leaving the Raiders that seems to even remotely be honorable, is the word I'm looking for. Correct. It seems like it's just crafty and... You know, he's consulting people to figure out how to get out of his contract. No one has forced you to go to the Raiders. You went for the money, and God only knows if this was just a, a, a hoax from the beginning. I mean, it's fucked to think that, that that could even be the case and that he would actually do that. It's just bonkers to think that. And yeah. I mean, I, I, it all it just feels selfish. It all feels very yeah. selfish and 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 self-indulged it feels like a rich person just kind of yeah. being like man i want to play with this team man dude personally i think he went for the money and i think somewhere along this transition from you know pittsburgh to oakland mm-hmm. who knows maybe he had some meeting with the owner prior that like at some point he was like you know what this just i'm, this I'm not liking this let me figure out how to get out of here mistake. and exactly and then it just went all of a sudden 
we had the, the, the blisters from the cryo treatment. Oh my god. All of a sudden it was Dude, like a press statement. The you fucking know, helmet where he was like painting the logo on his helmet. Are you kidding me? And he threatened to retire over the helmet issue too <sighs> at one point. So that was when it got to a point where it was just, all right, this is this is beyond the, the normal bizarre once in a blue Antonio Brown I, story. I, it's going to be hard to take him seriously ever again. Uh, even look, even if he goes out, and he's so good, he's a Hall of Famer, man. Yeah, he's already a lock. I, if he goes out there and he's a hit with the Patriots, I think it just makes him even more of a villain. Yeah. So, and dude, this, if if the Patriots take home another Super Bowl, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. I think that's going to be again. You know, victories has a way of just kind of just covering up and quieting down. You know, shitty behavior. Yeah, yeah, it does. The Patriots, listen. They are not. They have their own black eyes. We could go into lots of them, and yeah, plenty. And you yes. know what? This might just be another one on it. See, they're they they are happy to be the villains if it means they win. Yeah, strategic, strategic, but then again, that's why they Yeah. Should we get the fuck out of here? I think so. Let's do it. All right, everyone. As always, thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, check me out on um, Facebook if you want. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. If you want to email us, you can email Shaka and I at samsportsstation at gmail.com. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back next week, talk more Eagles and Jets. Um, enjoy this weekend's slate of games. Get a whole bunch of football in your belly, just like I will be doing it, and in your eye sockets as well. And uh, with any luck, we'll be coming back next week with a 2-0 Eagles team and a 1-1 Jets team. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Enjoy the games, guys.